0: Funnily enough, over this Christmas vacation, you know, I, I always spend a little time reflecting. I know many of you do, and I was grateful to Dennis, just giving us such a great uh, and inspiring uh, insight on the new year last week. And if you didn't listen to that, do check it out on the podcast. But all through the holiday between Christmas and New Year, this crazy little kind of ditty kept coming to mind. And I must have heard it when I was a a small child. Uh, And it goes something like this. She's 21 today, 21 today. She's never been 21 before. Now she's got the key of the door. How many of you have heard that or know that? Yes, a few of you. (laughs) Most of you are completely nonplussed. (laughs) Well, that used to be... When I was a a little child, uh, 21 was a very significant... Uh, Age and I remember probably I was only three years old. We were invited as a family to the neighbours because their daughter was becoming twenty-one, and we went round there as a family. And at a certain time during the course of the evening, my sister and I we were tucked upstairs in bed with sort of an apple pie bed, you know that bed where you sleep. So you put the heads at each end, and all right, forget it, never mind. But uh, yeah, I I remember that because that was hell. But but. The the reality was it was all about coming of age. It was all about becoming 21, and that used to be a big gig, and you used to get the key to the door, and all sorts of crazy things started happening. We never longer do that. But this little ditty was going around my mind. It was annoying. It was just one of those things. And suddenly I thought, wait a minute. Are you trying to say something to me, Lord? Are you trying to communicate something to me? And so I just stilled myself. I just sort of went quiet and spent a little time thinking about it. And what I felt was that the Lord was saying to us was that we are coming of age. As a church, we're coming of age. And that is both an exciting privilege, uh, but it's also a responsibility. So this year, I I have certain uh, expectations, as it were, which I'm praying through which are all based on this concept of coming of age. You know, I don't know whether you realize this, some of you will know this story, of course, that, that Fliss and myself, um, not, we haven't contrived this, it, it's just sort of happened like this. We've always seen the child as, as, as the, the church as something of a child. And I remember very early on, about two years in, uh, you know, we, we were up at Stags meeting there, and, we just sort of unloaded about two and a half tons of equipment. I'm not joking; uh, a lot of equipment. We set it all up, and before church happened, as indeed today, you know, people had been in from very early setting up and all that kind of stuff, and everything was ready. And then I would dash home, and I'd get a quick shower before coming back to, you know, lead the service and preach and whatever. And on this particular morning, I remember I uh, uh, we got the, the worship was going. I think Graham Ward, our worship pastor at the time, was leading worship. And I was whacked. I was just absolutely whacked. I'd been pushing and pushing and pushing and doing as much as I could in my own strength, and there's a clue, to make things happen. And uh, I just knelt down at the front, as I often do anyway, but this was more out of sheer exhaustion. And I said, God, I just don't know whether I, I, I can keep doing this. This is killing me. And I felt the Lord say very distinctly, just listen, listen. So I just kind of tried to still myself, and as I listened, I heard a church worshiping, and I wasn't up the front trying to lead it and gear it up and make it happen, and you know all this kind of stuff. I was just a, kind of a lump at the front of church, and uh, the Lord said, "Listen." And then I heard it, this church worshipping. And at that point, the Lord said to me, that's our baby. That was powerful. Boy, did that break me up. That's our baby. And, you know, as the years have gone by, you know, we've been through various stages, and there were the terrible twos, there were the, the toddler thing, you know, there were the, you know, the fun sort of Eight, nines, and tens kind of thing. There were the difficult teenagers' years. It just, it was uncanny how the church seemed to track, you know, a human being growing up, albeit a little slower. You know, we were still having terrible twos at about 17 years in, you know, but we got there. But now, this Christmas, I just felt like the Lord said to me, We've come of age. We've come of age, and that's both the challenge and my excitement for this coming year. I I believe God is going to uh, call us to do things that that we we hadn't even dreamt of. I love what... What Dennis did, you know, sharing, you know, one Corinthians two nine where it says, you know, I has not seen what ear has heard nor mind conceived, the good things that God has in store for those who love him. I, I think there's gonna be great things happening in this church. I said at the beginning of the last service, and I hadn't planned on doing it, but I actually think we will be looking at a we will be part of a different church by the end of this next twelve months. Now that may be a bit of a concern for you, that may be uh, Cause of anxiety Or maybe relief I don't know But the truth of the matter is that, that God is always at work In his church And in his people And if we will yield And if we will uh, You know Lean into him There will always be growth There will be, always be that That opportunity for new things So I'm excited about What God is going to To do for us In this coming year You know Of course as we think about on the last year, it would be remiss of me to sort of rush on because God did great things last year. If you recall, uh, you know, one of the key verses for last year, and indeed the year before that, I believe, was Isaiah 54. Enlarge the place of your tent. This is verse 2. Stretch your, cur- your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You know, it was, that was part of the motivation, the inspiration to do buy and develop next door. And there were tremendous challenges, as as many of you know. You know, we, uh, you know, all credit to the the board. You know, they bought the building next door on our behalf without planning permission. You know, that could have gone pear-shaped. They showed tremendous faith and courage and, you know, respect where respect is due. And they went with that. And you gave and you sacrificed, you know, we, we, it was extraordinary. And then of course, come October, we had that wonderful grand opening with the, the choir uh, but the, and the mayor there, the queen's representative. You know, That's who she is in the community. And uh, it was just a wonderful time. But that wasn't the end of it. We saw growth in so many different ways. We, we actually grew as a congregation. More people uh, are part of this church now than they were a year ago. We did all the stats in, in October. Our prayer ministry, you know, Richard was commending you to that, went up 26% last year. The number of people that came down for prayer. And uh, our denomination, who incidentally, in passing, have owned that song, that last song written by Samuel Lane, saved as, as their album song of the month, you know, for the whole denomination. Uh, the denomination uh, asked the churches to send in stories and uh, you know, things that had happened in the church in the last year. And uh Emma Lust, our comms manager, did an outstanding job just collating a number of stories. You know, the healings and the stories of transformation. You know, I got a card from a guy, I won't even mention his name, and he's a very, a very dear brother, and just in this card, he's just said, and he just said. Dear Chris and Fliss, thank you for saving my life. Now, that's a little bit of an overstatement because I don't feel I did a great deal and it was all Jesus and not me, and I haven't, I I don't see this guy a great deal. But at the same time, I do know that man's story. And believe me, God has physically saved his life. His life had been given over to alcohol and addiction for for years and years and years and years. And now he's been clean for a number of years and is a key volunteer as part of our church. God has just done astounding things and all while we just do church. It's extraordinary. Wonderful. So God did wonderful things last year. And we also had that thing, didn't we? We, we? We were talking about an open heaven last year. Now funnily enough, Um, Those of you who've walked this walk with us for some time will know that in early days, every year, it was like God gave us a theme. That's not new, I mean, lots of churches take that. Uh, But it it seemed in those days that whatever it was, it was almost like just for that season. So, you know, like, Chris, you'll do discipleship this year, or you'll do that. You know, a lot of these things you need to do all the time. But there was often a sort of, we really need to push on that pedal and work that. Uh, and then the next year it'd be something different. Nowadays it seems to me over the past few years that God has sort of built so so something he may have said like two years ago in 20, 2015, we 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 just sensed God was saying, you know, you'll press on when you press in. So if you want to cover ground, if you want to, you know, go on in the Christian life, if you want to take, you know, new, new, new you know, growing Christ and all the rest of it, you'll do that as you press in to Christ. So it's not just about, give me the to-do list, God, and I'll get on and do it. Let's see if we can cover some grounds for Jesus. It's actually, yeah, having the will to do that and to take risks, but it's actually about pressing into Christ himself. If you press into the person of Christ, if you make him your goal, if you make him your desire, if you devote energy, time, energy, and in some cases money, to, to knowing Christ and pushing into him, you will find yourself inevitably going out and being fruitful and moving on, because God you know, is on the move. And if you wanna stay with him, you have gotta keep up with him. So these kind of things, you know, pressing in, and still that's something we're doing now. You know, in our prayer ministry, you know, our call to prayer, which in a couple of weeks time, you know, that was something that was birthed out of that, and I'm looking forward to that. We're gonna sort of change the format slightly, but, but that's a wonderful expression. It's, it's, we're still benefiting from today. And then last year we talked a lot about open heaven. I, I don't think the open heaven f- season has finished. I think it's carrying on that. It's like God is laying these things down on top of one, another, pressing in and pressing on, open heaven. These are years of opportunity. But this year is a year of coming of age, coming of age. It's a year where we begin to see what God had in mind when he called us into being. The very thing. In some sense, all the previous years have been preparation. But now we will see what God has in mind. What is that twinkle in his eye whenever we've come into his presence, as if he knew something that we didn't? I'm excited about what we will get to do in the company and presence of our Father in this coming year. Do I get an amen from someone? Thank you. Flissy is sick today. I've got a cold, so I can get you to do a few more amens than I normally would, you know. But anyway, don't tell her I said so. Okay, so coming of age. You know, this year, I I mean, I can say there's some calendar things I'm excited about, but it's not really about the calendar things. But as I've mentioned, I will mention them. March the 24th, 25th, and 26th, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. Uh, we've booked, uh, um, what's the place called? High Lee, isn't it, yeah, uh, for a sort of church weekend. It used to be a leadership weekend, but we're kind of broadening that. Uh, and uh, we've got over 100 places there. I mean, obviously, the church is huge compared to that, but you know, this is early days. Uh, I really would encourage you to start putting a bit of money in the teapot on the mantelpiece, as it were. We we will be subsidizing all the tickets, but it will cost, still cost some money, and you can bring the kids too, there'll be kids care and all the rest of it. We've got Steve and Lynn Burnhope, who are the senior pastors of the Aylesbury Vineyard, who are gonna come and lead that weekend. Of course, there'll be our own worship leaders and our own team and all the rest of it doing our thing, but they'll be coming, and they are great down-to-earth people You know, they're they're gifted and multi-talented. I mean, Steve has worked in the city pretty much all his life. He's he's actually planted a church and led a, a significant large church while working in the city. Both he and his wife have got MA's in theology. They are smart people. It's going to be a fabulous weekend. I am so excited about that. So put that in your diary, March the 24th, 25th and 26th. We will remind you, we'll get some flyers out shortly. Other things, you know, Den and I were talking about the bapt... I'm sorry, Richard and I were talking about the baptisms and, and um, uh, you know, we normally have a few baptisms at Christmas but this year we quite deliberately held them over and we're going to have a big baptism at Easter. Can you think of a better time to be baptized than on Easter morning, eh? Yeah. Can you think of that? Wow, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, how about you get baptized? how about your you know your family your friends you know people that you're witnessing to you know you've been thinking oh my gosh you know how are you doing with that well this is a you know be encouraged be be stirred up as it were to to to, to pray more fervently that your friend your neighbor your relative would come to Christ and then they would be able to celebrate that great day and be baptized maybe there's some of you here and there's always is that that element. People have been Christians for a long time, but for whatever reason they haven't been baptized. Maybe this will be your occasion to be baptized. And then, of course, there's all our youth and children, and all the rest of it. So, Easter Day, big baptism, looking forward to that. And then, of course, probably launching it around about uh, Easter, there'll be phase 134 uh, developing next door. <laughs> We had phase two last time. The final phase. The final phase. uh, Where we do the first floor. We need it. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that absolutely crazy? Our, Our youth has grown from about 30 or 40 to around about 100. Our Ventureland group, who have the last room at the back there, they are absolutely rammed. It's extraordinary what God is doing here. You know, our little tagline for the church is gather, grow, live, give. We've always felt that God was a gathering God and he wanted, he wanted to, us to go out to gather and bring back and build community. And my gosh, it's as if, as if he's, God, God is at work and afoot in the neighborhood and people are hearing and coming and coming and how they're coming. And as always, you know, we've got to make room for them. And all I can say at the moment is, is we, we haven't finished that yet, Lord, so we, we'll get on with that this coming year and get that one out the way. So there's so many good things in the calendar to be excited about, but it's not about the calendar. It's something more than that. As I've said, I believe God's going to do something here and is going to do something that actually none of us could have anticipated. It's not like we're looking at other churches and saying, we want to be like that. You know, occasionally over the years I've had people who come up to me and say, you know, couldn't we be a bit more like St. Paul's or couldn't we be a bit more like HTB or couldn't we be a bit more like Hillsong or couldn't we be a bit more like Soul Survivor or couldn't we... I mean, that's not a bad thing. Those are great churches. I'd love to be that, but that just isn't us. We're not trying to be like anyone, we're just trying to follow Jesus. And that seems to me to be the best place to be. And if our worship doesn't quite sound like Hillsong or Bethel or whatever, well, well, I wish it could, but the fact is, it's not us. But it is what it is, and increasingly, others are looking to us and saying, this is new, this is fresh. You know, talking of worship as I've, as I've um, you know, you know, uh, this last year, our team was asked, uh, David, uh, Sam was asked to participate at David's tent, uh, which is the new big shiny thing for worship in the UK. They've now asked him to come back this coming year, this year, as one of the invited worship leaders. I mean, that, that, if anything defines where worship is in the UK at the moment, what God is doing, it's that event and to, to have a national organization invite us, and he takes all of our guys, you know, we're, 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 we're a team. I mean, Dennis is so fond of saying we're a team, and it's so true. You know, you look at me and you think, whatever you think, well, don't blame me, it's the team, you know, all right? <laughs> I'm like this because of the team. You know, um, you know it is wonderful. Yeah. And God had something in mind when he called us into being, and we're now coming of age i got to find out what it is. And it's good. Because God's gifts are always good. Okay, I want to just look at the scriptures now to give you a little bit of uh, Bible to hang these thoughts on and I invite you to take these away with you and, and chew on them and keep coming back to them. Over the Christmas holiday, as well as singing silly little ditties, I've been uh, in Col- Colossians again. Uh, I mean, look at my Bible. It just shows you how many times I keep ending up in here. Uh, and this is my preaching Bible. This is not my personal devotional Bible. Uh, all those highlights and stuff like that. But I've been in Colossians again. And uh, uh, of course, the book of Colossians, written by Paul when he was in prison, written to a church he had never been to personally. It was planted by a guy called Epaphras. And, and so he has only heard of it by reputation. And yet he writes this wonderful book, which, this letter, uh, which is to be uh, carried to them by Timothy. And, uh, and it's very similar in many ways to Ephesians and Den mentioned Ephesians last week another of my favorite books but uh, to summarize what, what, what Jesus uh, through the Spirit is saying in, in uh, Colossians is that you know uh, God brings all things together in Christ it all comes together the plan comes together when we focus on Jesus and this little sort of opening verse, says it very nicely. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 uh, says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you see Jesus, when you see Christ, when you understand Christ, when you press into the person of Christ, you begin to understand what and who God is like. You know, uh, new Christians or sometimes people who are not quite a Christian yet, um, who, who are on their spiritual journey, will often say to me, "I'm just have a quick cough, excuse me." Will often say to me, "You know, I, I've always, yeah, you know, I kind of always believed in God. You know, it's I've, I've never been an issue. Uh, had a problem with church, but anyway, yeah, I've always believed in God, but, but Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about. You know, I'm uh, jury's out still." making up my mind, not sure what to make of him. Well, I'm excited for you on the journey that you are on, but the truth of the matter is this, is that that when you see Jesus, when you understand Jesus, and of course he's so accessible because of the scriptures, when you understand who Jesus is, then you understand who God is, because it says here, in Christ all the fullness Of the deity lives in bodily form, verse ten. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, in our pursuit of Christ, our passion for Jesus, if you will, we find ourselves coming to age age in Christ. And I think that's what God is, is doing. Yes, you know, can I be immature sometimes? Of course. You know, can you? Can we do wrong things? Of course. Do we get it wrong sometimes? Of course. But we're trying. But the reality is that by and large, God God sees us now as in that place of both privilege and responsibility. Because we're coming of age. And we're going to see what God had in mind when he called this church into being. So let's just unpack that a little bit. We'll stay in the book of Colossians. And uh, just turn with me please to Colossians chapter 1 9 to 14, I'm gonna read through it and then kind of whip out some, hopefully stimulating little thoughts, just to, you know, what does this maturity look like? You know, how, how can we pray for one another? You know, what, what, what should our personal goals be? And can I just say this? I, in preaching this sermon, I'm really speaking to us as a community. I'm speaking to us as a church. Now for many of you, you will be able to make easy correlations between, your, between what I'm saying in, in, in these general terms with your own walk with Jesus. But there may be some of you, you know, be, maybe new Christians or, or uh, you're not a Christian yet, uh, for whom this will just be kind of difficult in the sense that you'll think, yeah, well, I, I kind of get what this guy's saying, uh, but how does that apply to me? You know, it's sort of going, whew. Well, I, I want you just to hang on in there. Just stay with me because at the very end of this message, I'm gonna do what I call a little switcheroo And I'm really going to press in on on something very personal, which will, I hope, touch you. uh, And we'll see how, we'll help show you how you fit into this grander vision stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about at the moment. So hang on in there, okay? So let's just read this passage. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, what reason is that? The reason is explained in the preceding verses. You can check this out this afternoon or whatever. It's the fact that this church is thriving. Paul talks about the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us in laying down his life for our sins that we might have eternal life. He says it's gaining traction all over the world. It's bearing fruit wherever it is preached. And you guys, you Colossians, who I don't even know, are you evidence of that? You know, this... Church, wonderful church, I hear great things about you. It's sprung up, and you're just evidence of that. So for this reason, he says, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, and we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, a real preacher's gift there. There's several points in that. Uh, Probably need to do it more justice sometime. But let me just bring the highlights there, and I hope that you can revisit it and chew on it and pray about it and tease it out and cross-reference it. The first thing, basically, verse 9, for this reason, I haven't stopped praying for you, basically Paul says to them, continue to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Do not lean on your own understanding. You will understand some things, but other things you won't understand. That's what faith is for. We walk by faith. Sometimes it's not absolutely clear. and God sometimes sends things into our path to challenge us. And he does that, not to cause us to dismay or to frustrate us, but what he does is he does that to help us grow up. And you know, I've said it before, God, cha- God offends the mind to reveal the heart. And it's the heart that God is really at- after. He doesn't want you just to know, what, you know how to say the right things at the right time. I mean, that's, it's good to know what the right things are. that's a start. But the truth of the matter is, you know, has that, has that gone deep within you? And as we'll see in just a minute, is it bearing fruit? Is, is there a consequence of that? you know, sometimes, you know, you can know something, an important fact, but if you don't act upon it, you know, there's going to be dire consequences. And if you know the gospel, and if you know what it is to be a Christian, but don't act upon it, well, for a start, you thwart the work of the Spirit who wants to work with you. He's always with It's not in spite of. God is not the sort of swimming coach on the side of the swimming bath shouting down a a megaphone, go on, stretch, push, push, push. It's not like that. God is in the water with you. He's supporting you. Do you remember how you learned to swim? He's supporting you and he will always be there supporting you but you've still got to strike out. Gasping for air maybe at times but you've still got to, you know, strike out. Splash, splash, splat, splat, splash, gulp. You know, that's what it's like, isn't it? The Christian walk. So, walk in the spirit. And it's, it's not just walk in the spirit when you come through church, coming to church. I mean, sometimes, you know, what we try to do in this church is we try to be the same we are here as we are out there. Uh, you know the church is often accused of hypocrisy, and, and I think it's, it's it's valid. You know, not just this church, but the church in general, because people cross the threshold and they they suddenly become completely different people. You know, they cross the threshold and it's all oh glory, oh, and yet outside, you know, they're miserable as sin. You know, <sighs> you know, honestly, really. You know, first night, we had the, the, the fun thing over Christmas, as many of you will have done. You know, we've just moved into a new house, been, been there for four or five weeks. Our neighbor across the road invited us across to have a, a drink and what have you. And uh, we hadn't been there 10 minutes before we we're talking about Jesus. Uh, just like I step up here and I talk about, you know, I meander in with a few stories. And, and then I talk about Jesus and we were talking about Jesus. And that's what we do. What we do here is what we do there. Walk in the Spirit. No, not not just sit in church in the Spirit. You know, walk in the Spirit. This this is meant to be a life thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. So that's the first thing he's saying. You know, come on, guys. I, I'm so excited about what I hear about you and these wonderful things. And you know, let's let's pray that you know you, your knowledge deepens and your wisdom deepens and all this kind of stuff. And that you know that you walk in the Spirit. That you know the Spirit's presence and in that interaction. Secondly, verse 10, first part of verse 10, basically says. Live well. Live a life that is worthy. And basically, that's drawing on what I've already said. You know, be intentional about your life. Don't, don't just be reactive, responding to issues. You know, things will happen in your life that you have no control over, and it's not like, whoa, I've got to do with this. You know, a, a difficult conversation at work or something like that. But, you know, we, we need to be, if we're walking in the spirit, we need to be intentional and prayerful and, and, and awake. You know, sometimes at work, your colleagues at the end of the week, at the end of the day, will say, well, A few of us are going down to the pub for a drink. Uh, do you want to come? It might be right for you to say yes. So often Christians think, Oh, you say, Oh, no, I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. You know, I've got to go to a church meeting. You know, <laughs> I'm joking. Am I? Uh, you know, but the truth of the matter is that sometimes. You know, it's right for you to go. Other times, the Spirit will just give you a little prompting, and it's curious. It won't be right every time. There'll be times when you ask exactly the same question, same old, same old, Friday, you know, going to have a few bevies. And the Lord will say, Chris, you don't want to go there. And he just rescues from who knows what. So don't go out there with the Lord. Go out there with grace a dynamic walking in the spirit. Live a life that is worthy. You know, I've, some, of, some of the best conversations I think I've had in this last year have been little comments, little interactions I've had with my car club guys. You know, very few of them are Christians, although more and more are beginning to crawl out the woodwork because I've put my head above the parap- parapet. You know, I have, uh, the, the, you know, and we go camping and all the rest of it and this kind of stuff. If you're not with them, and Jesus was always, he was accused of not hanging out with the nice people. He was always hanging out with the, you know, the raggy people, with the despised people, with the drunkards, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, etc. Well, that was pretty extreme. I'm not sure, and I'm not claiming to be doing that, but at least, you know, (laughs) I went across the road to see my neighbor and had a sherry. you hear what I'm saying? Uh, The sensitivity you have for the spirit that, that, that God begins to work in us in this meeting place is meant to be the sensitivity that God has for you in the marketplace. No difference. Our God is an incarnate God, a God who is in the world. And it doesn't all happen in church as far as he's concerned. Although church and these meetings are precious to him. This is family time. Ain't nothing better. So moving quickly on. uh, Yes, uh, middle of uh, verse 10. The goal is that we bear fruit. Look at John 15... The goal is that we bear fruit. There should be an outward working. The fact that you are a believer should mean that it actually affects the way you do life and actually changes you, works transformation. You've heard me say before, I think, that we as a staff sat down a few years ago and we were talking about, when we're talking about growth, you know, what do we actually mean? What does that mean? Excuse me. And we, we came up with one word. Transformation. That's what we're looking for in our people. We're looking for every single one of you, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, where, you know, those who know you, and I hope that many of you are in connect groups and all the rest of it, and you have a relationship here, and if you don't, maybe you want to set a a goal this year to get into some kind of group or service ministry where other people will get to know you, where you can begin to connect to people. And the truth of the matter is that, that in that place, in that place, you know, we are encouraged, we're built up, and God works transformation in us, and that, that we start to bear fruit. We start to behave like Christians when we're not even trying. That's the goal. Verse 10, middle of it. Bear fruit, and bearing fruit is about, often is about good works, doing things, inconveniencing ourselves. I've often said this, haven't I? You know, this world is, uh, our society is utterly intolerant of inconvenience, whether you're a rich man or poor man, nobody likes being inconvenienced. Do not inconvenience me. Do whatever you like, but do not inconvenience me. Do not waste my time, blah, blah, blah. I've been caught on this phone on hold for forever. You know, we, we are, it drives us nuts. But we as followers of Jesus, you know what? As God's grace begins to work on us, we're be, we, we're, we start to be willing to inconvenience ourselves Put our plans on hold in order to be of service to others. Sometimes we get a lot of thanks for it, a lot of praise. Other times we get none. Doesn't matter. We're not actually doing it for them. We're doing it for the Lord who loves us because Jesus came to wash our feet and to serve us. So bearing fruit means actually doing good works. Adding value to people. Last part of verse 10 talks about growing in knowledge, wisdom, and experience, you know. We, we find ourselves growing in him. And yes, there's a love of his word. And sometimes I was talking to one of our, our, our lay pastors in the break, and he was just saying how difficult it was studying the Bible and, and going through a dry period. And I said to him, and it, I, it just came out of my mouth, but it's actually true. Probably two thirds of the year for me, when I'm studying and I do it every day without fail, when I'm studying the scriptures, it feels dry. Two-thirds of the year. I'm not having fabulous visions and revelations. It's just what I do. And I do it because, yeah, I wanna do it, but is it easy getting out of bed and early in the morning, etc. No, uh, that's what works for me as a lot. Uh, it may be different for you, but but actually I just do it because I've always done it, and it's become what I am now. I cannot not do it. And uh, so, you know, we grow in knowledge, and as we ask God for wisdom, so we grow in wisdom. We find ourselves knowing what to do in challenging situations when everybody else is running around as if their hair was on fire, you know. And we grow in, in just the whole business of of, of, of experience of walking with Jesus things that spooked me when we first started this church do not spook me now I just go oh whatever you know it'll, it'll come, it's not a fun day you know it's not, this, is, this is not what I wanted to come and work to work and find but hey whatever we we'll just work the problem work the problem work the problem we come through the other side it doesn't kill us and all of these things the last thing I want to say well actually there's two last things we begin to know in verse 11 his authority and power. You know, it was, Dennis was right when he said last week that so often we just don't understand that with sonship comes a tremendous package, authority and power. You know, uh, Dennis sort of said it last week, and I often say, you know, when we walk down the street, you know, we may be blissfully unaware of it, but demons step into the road to let us pass. I'm being funny, but I'm not being funny. You know, people behave differently when the boss's daughter comes in or the boss's son comes in. They're usually pretty polite. Well, whether we realize it or not, we are the boss's sons and daughters. We're his beloved. And the spiritual entities, the rulers of this world and seen and unseen, know that. We are the boss's kids. And there is an authority and his power that comes with that. Finally, probably one of the hallmarks of maturity, and please let this be a church that is that, we are full of gratitude for what God has done. You know, gratitude builds and breeds humility in us. You know, Felicity and I, as many of you did, uh, I've had a number of conversations like this, managed to carve out a... A short time, we were actually at the breakfast table, and we were just sharing, eating some cereal together. And we just started uh, recalling God's goodness to us as a family this past year. And gosh, you know, within a few moments, you know, we were we were stimulating each other's conversation. And you know, I would have been I'd have struggled to think of some good thing straight off, but as we stimulated each other's recollection of the year we realize that God had done so much for us as a family, so much for us as a church, and with that comes uh, gratitude wells up within us and praise and worship. And so the maturing Christ is always mindful of what Christ has done for us, And, and we can cultivate that by cultivating an attitude of thankfulness. As I say, it's the hallmark of maturity. Okay, to summarize, and Paul summarizes beautifully in Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. He says, so then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Be rooted in him, and if you're rooted in him, you will bear fruit, you will bear fruit. Now, I said at the beginning, bear with me. I've kind of been addressing the church. Many of you will have been able to make a correlation between the personal walk, and, and I agree with that. You know, that, that's, that's good. But I said that there would be something and something special for those of you for whom this is all a bit, whew, and it's a, a little video clip I want to show you. Can I have the band come up because we'll just move straight on into worship after that? Thanks, Joe. But I just want you to sit back and, and, and watch this little video clip. And it's, it's by a guy called Dan Stevers, who's a, I, I wish I could say he's a friend of ours, but we've, we love his work. Very gifted guy. And uh, God has just graced him with some with wonderful wonderful ability and creativity in the whole business of visual arts. And so we're just going to sit quietly and, uh, and read. The little meditation that's going to come up on the screen for the next two minutes. And this is God your Father speaking to you. It's called identity. And God builds great things, God's, God bring, uh, builds great churches out of men and women who have become sons and daughters and know their identity in Christ. Thank you.